Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. Let's join Pastor Stephen Keller for today's message. So, hey guys, we've been doing a series. We've been calling it Down to Earth. How y'all been feeling about this series? You digging it? Uh, Basically, the whole premise of this series has been to talk about what it looks like when kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus, he told us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on where? As it is in where? Okay, so what that means is we don't wait for heaven to expect to see heaven. Do you understand what I'm saying? You don't have to die to see heaven. We have embraced eternal life, and that eternal life starts now. Can you all say now? And experiencing that life is not something to be put off until we someday go to heaven. No, the experience of that life is to be experienced here and now on earth as it is in heaven. So this prayer is not just something that we say, you know, is like a pretty shout out to God, you know. This is an invitation for God to move in our everyday lives. How many of y'all would like to see some situations in your life filled with the life, love, and power of God? Eight of y'all. Y'all are going to have to shout me down today, okay? We need to wake each other up or something. How many of y'all would like to see the life, love, and power of God move into some situations in your life? There's a church filled with the Spirit of God. Come on, y'all. I believe this. I'm just over it. Y'all have heard me say it time and time again. I cannot deal with God, like, powerless God concepts. It's a bunch of just, keep that. I want to see God move in all of our lives. I don't want to just preach about it. I don't want to just talk about my experiences. I want all of us to go on a journey together. And this journey looks like kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. There they are. Good morning, church. I'm excited about this, and this is worth getting excited about because as we do this, yo, I believe Menominee ain't even ready. You know? Like, they ain't, we ain't even ready. I, oh, man. I, I just, I, you know what? This week, when you're out in our community, open your eyes. Open your eyes. Open your eyes to maybe God doing something here and now, but open your eyes to see the potential in people. Open your eyes to imagine the potential of what God might do in any one of these people. When I go to Fleet Farm, just because I don't fit in, it don't mean I'm going to stare at the ground. Think whatever you want about my skinny pants. I don't care. I want to think about God's love for that person. And maybe give it to him. Right? What else are we filled with the Spirit for? You know? Why would we, why would we need Holy Spirit if we're just going to give him the back seat? You know? No, thank you, man. I like... Come on, Holy Spirit, let's do this thing. Let's do it together. So, I should start preaching. (laughs) 
Or maybe I should start preaching on what I put on the paper, you know? Um, how many of y'all were here last week? Yeah, okay, cool. If you weren't, I would encourage you, um, hop on YouTube or the Facebook or whatever. There's a lot of different ways, iTunes, to watch or listen to the message from last week. Okay, because there's a lot of information that kind of led up to this week's message that would be helpful to you. Um, just for the sake of remembrance, I'm going to bring out a few things in review that we talked about last week, okay? Um, so we're going to be talking about a sermon that was given on a place called Mars Hill. Can you all say Mars Hill? Can you say Areopagus? It is also known as the Areopagus, okay? And these Greek words, I'll tell you what, they're difficult sometimes. Um, so the Apostle Paul is about to give a sermon in this place. Now, how did he get here? Y'all ever find yourself in places you didn't see yourself being? You know, like you open your eyes, you're just like, how did I get here? What in the world is going on right now? You know, sometimes in the midst of that confusion, we shut down and we go, okay, well, I just need to get somewhere else and then God can use me. What we talked about last week was the fact that the Apostle Paul essentially got chased into this place called Athens, Greece, to this place where he was going to give a sermon at a place called Mars Hill, a.k.a. the Areopagus, okay? So what had happened was the Apostle Paul, he was getting chased out of these different places by these people called the Thessalonians, all right? Uh, they were some, like, grumpy, legalistic elves, okay? They were, get out of here, Apostle Paul, you know? Chasing him out of all these places. So eventually he hops on a ship. He sails most likely, to Athens, Greece, okay? He's waiting for his homies, basically. He's like, okay, I'm waiting for, uh, I think it was S Timothy and Silas, I think. Look in your Bibles. Let's keep it accurate. Um, but I'm pretty sure it was Timothy and Silas that he was waiting for. And while he was waiting, Scripture says, while he was waiting, he was observing the city. While he was waiting, he was observing the city. And he was seeing their idol worship. He was seeing their strange behavior. How many of y'all have ever looked out at the city and seen some strange behavior? Some of y'all only need to look in the mirror <laughs> to see some strange behavior, you know? But how many of y'all have ever looked at the city and saw some strange behavior? Yeah? So what Scripture says is when that happened, Paul's spirit, can y'all say spirit? His spirit was provoked. Now, his spirit being provoked caused him to engage. Can you all say engage? To engage with the people there. He did this both in the synagogues, which is where Jewish people were currently assembling, and he was also doing it in the streets. So he was just kind of taking every opportunity he had. you know. And what's funny is, was when he was preaching in the streets, People were looking at him and being like, who is this guy? This guy is a weirdo. Basically, he's out there telling people about God's love for him, talking to him about Jesus, talking to him about the cross, about the resurrection, right? Pretty foreign concepts. And they're just like, man, this guy is acting a fool. You know what they said? They were like, what is this idle babbler saying? That's what they called him. How much of a like <laughs> does that have? Idle babbler. So, initially, they were like, this is really weird stuff that you're talking about, bro. But they didn't write him off. 
they actually ended up taking the Apostle Paul and his strange, idle babblings, and they brought him to this place of influence that we are currently arriving at, and we are going to see the Apostle Paul give a sermon at. Are y'all ready? Are y'all ready for a sermon? Come on. I mean, it ain't my sermon. (laughs) You know, like, you don't have to get excited about my preaching. At least get excited about the Apostle Paul's preaching, you know, because we're going to go through his sermon, okay? And we're going to kind of make our way through it, and we're going to glean some things from it. Now, listen, I am not into formulas, Okay? Y'all, know, y'all probably know that about me. I am not saying that you need to take word for word every last thing that we take out of this sermon, that we look at in this sermon, and to write up a pretty paragraph that you're going to recite to somebody when you interact with them. Okay? Because that is our thought process around this specific double message, is we want to see how to be down to earth. Can y'all say down to earth? In our interactions with other people and specifically with people who have not yet received Jesus as their Lord, right? So here the Apostle Paul is. He is in a place where people are worshiping idols. They're probably doing all sorts of strange stuff, stuff that we would look at and go, ugh. But he doesn't shut down. He doesn't write them off. He intentionally engages with them. Let's start this sermon. We're in verse 22 of Acts 17. Now, I have some words bolded, okay? I would appreciate it if, while we're going through this, if you would read those bold words with me, okay? Uh, They're just kind of emphasized for what we're going to be looking at in them. There's good stuff outside of the bolds, but read the bolds with me. Let's go on a journey. So, Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said... Men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in all aspects. Respects. <laughs> See, this is why I have you guys read with me. <laughs> Keep me accountable to read Scripture accurately, you know? One more time. I observe that you are very religious in all respects. Huh. So I have a really profound point right off the bat. Was the Apostle Paul divisive or cruel in his opening statement to these people? Or did he give them a compliment? Huh? I know that, I know that in, in modern day, right, you know, like the, the whatever, the, the church has kind of had a negative idea of the word religion, right? But this was not meant as an insult, okay? He was saying this, he was starting off his sermon with a compliment. He was saying, hey, I observe that you guys are religious in all respects. So here's the first thing we can glean from this sermon. Be nice. Can I get an amen? Church, can we please be nice? Now, (laughs) I, I say that Because sometimes all of our differences that we have with people, they kind of stockpile in front of us as bricks that need to be addressed one by one before we can access the person. Do you know what I'm saying? 
All of these differences are like bricks that we build a wall with and we feel like, well, I can't even reach that person until all of these things are argued about or whatever. We're not going to see that in this sermon. We're going to see some things deflated. And I think that just right off the bat, being nice, rather than being the Krabby McCrabsters that people are probably expecting, is going to wake people up. They're going to be like, like, have you guys ever, have you guys ever been really, like, angry? And then you had someone just, like, deflate it with gentleness? Pastor Paul's a king at this. He's just like, y'all know this. I mean, you just saw this. We were on a stage together. He's got the gentle swag. You know, he's just like, hey, let me lay out some word to you. You know, and like, and like, I'm like, ah, 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 you know, but sometimes when you're upset, you know, when you're angry and you're ready for a fight, right? We ain't in the business of Christian debating. We're in the business of serving people with the love of God. Ministering, not debating. So, start off by being nice. That's nice. Hey, guys, I observe that you're religious in all respects. And what's cool is, is he continues to utilize this concept as a window in of opportunity. Verse 23. Y'all ready to read with me? For a while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. You know, sometimes Christianity and Christians were afraid of the secular. You know? (laughs) Do they say the name of Jesus in that song? No, then how could you ever let your ears hear that? You know? I I know I'm stepping on eggshells right now. I'm like, you know? But the truth of it is, church, there's a difference between examining the objects of worship to attain an awareness of where people are at and examining the objects of worship and turning them into your own. Did you hear me? Maybe I need to say that a different way. Um, Sometimes we need to intentionally find out where people are at by reading the inscriptions on their idols. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Now, when, when the Apostle Paul, you got to think about this. This was probably pretty intentional. When he saw this city and there's idols and people are worshiping, I'm guessing there was more than one statue that represented a god that was being worshipped, right? That seems to be implied in the text. And so, it probably took the Apostle Paul some walking around and some reading of various inscriptions to find this one. Could you see that? And so it took some level of intentionality in finding out where these people were at and able to find a window of opportunity to speak truth, love, life, power into. Sometimes we see any kind of disagreement or any kind of ungodliness, and again, we start to build up the wall. Sometimes we need to analyze those disagreements 
and not puff them up with argumentation, but, but to address them and see what they actually point to. Because the way the Apostle Paul saw their idol worship was a signal that they were yearning to be filled up by something. Right? Isn't that what idol worship is? Is it's trying to find life from something. And so if people are trying to find life from something other than the life source, Jesus Christ himself, who said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, then we don't need to say, hey, dummy, dummy, McDumbster. No, we need to go, okay. They are trying to get life out of something that cannot bring them life. I've been there personally. I can relate to this. We, we do this. Even sometimes as Christians, we do this. You know, we try to get life from things that cannot give life. The answer is not to harp on the lifelessness. The answer is to direct yourself and other people to the source of life found in Jesus. Y'all seeing that? So, don't write off or be afraid of the secular. Don't get life from it, okay? But that doesn't mean you have to hide your face, you know? I'm done with cubby Christianity. I'm done with it. Y'all have heard me say this before, but no longer shall we hide. Light shines in darkness. Let's go. I ain't scared of the dark. You know, there was a Nickelodeon show, Are You Afraid of the Dark? I ain't afraid of it, you know? Why? Because our God is greater. He is the real deal. Light is greater than darkness. Light shines. It, it, it influences. It invades darkness. Darkness flees. So, do y'all get what I'm saying? Okay. That's good. So get on the inside to hear their stories, to understand people. Okay? It's not always us going to people with our pre-packed concepts and ideas. I think honestly, a lot of the time, the way we are going to impact lives is via conversation. And I think that sometimes these conversations might, you know, take a little bit of back and forth. You hearing them say things that maybe you won't even agree with and not stabbing them for doing so. But going along the ride saying, okay, I'm trying to get an idea of where you're at so I can meet you where you're at, so we can have a conversation, so we can be down to earth in our engagement with people. Y'all see why that would be beneficial? If the Apostle Paul would have criticized from afar, he wouldn't have had this point of connection. He wouldn't have been able to engage in this way. So his intentionality opened up a door for opportunity. Verse 24. Y'all ready to hear a good bit of scripture? Pay attention, though. It's good. The God, so this is, he's going to talk about that God, the one that they've been worshiping in ignorance. He says, the God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. Next verse. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself is the giver of life and breath and all things. Next verse. 
and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. Next verse. That they would seek God, y'all ready? If perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. I want to recognize idol worship as groping for God. And I want to help people grasp the true God. Going from groping to grasping. Y'all picking that up? Rather than judging and turning. People's hearts are yearning for something. That's what's going on. They are groping. Now, you might have a hard time with indifferent people. Okay, I'm not saying that every person is going to be someone who is actively, obviously groping. But what I am saying is let's not shut the door on people who are currently participating in a way of groping that we know is just empty groping. Just because someone has a current established religious concept of what God looks like, we should not write them off. Okay? And nor should our engagement with them be merely argumentative. It should be recognizing their hunger and saying, hey, how has that been working out for you? Huh? Because, I mean, like, the truth of it is, if we believe what we actually believe, then Jesus is the only source of life. Right? So any other pursuit would make people apparent of the lack of life in said pursuit. Right? Of true life. And so when we encourage people to get honest about that, I think that that opens a door of realization that there is something missing. And into that, we speak the good news of reconciliation, the good news that is the gospel of Jesus Christ dying for every human being right here. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all picking up what I'm putting down? Yeah? Now, Beyond just the looking at groping and helping people grasp stuff, something else that I really, really, really like at the end of this is it says, though he is not far from each one of us. The gospel is a gospel of nearness. Okay? What do I mean by that? <laughs> that sounded like a, like a theology chapter book starting. The the gospel is a gospel of nearness, you know. What do I mean by that? What does that mean? It means that sometimes we like to harp on how far people are away from God. Oh, you, you special sinner, you're just so far from God. And again, we point to the bricks and we go, look, this means they're pretty far away. That means they're even further away. Look at all of the stuff that is in the way of this person seeing and hearing God. Isn't that just amplifying the illusion of sin not being addressed in Christ? Church, you know what I'm saying? He is near. He is excited. I liked the word that you used. He's eager. God is eager to be real to these people. 
And church, we've been commissioned to go out and point people to him. Commissioned by the Lord Jesus himself. I love that. So let's not, when we converse with people, let's not talk about all of the things that are in the, in the way. Let's say, listen, anything that was in the way has been taken care of on the cross by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. You here and now can embrace what he did for you because he's waiting. Kelly thought that was good. Good. I, I, I want to give people the actual good news. I don't want to harp on the bad. We weren't called to harp on the bad news. And here in this sermon, we see a pretty good concept of this. If you read through this, you will not find an inkling of bad news. You won't. In Paul's conversation with people who were worshiping other gods, he is nice. He connects with them. He is real with them. He does not water down the gospel. But he speaks it in truth and love. And I, it hits people when you'll do that with it. So the gospel is a message of God's nearness in Christ. Verse 28. For in him, in who? Christ, right? In God. In him we live and move and exist. Can y'all read this with me? As even some of your own poets have said, for we are also his children. You want to know something really interesting about this sermon? You won't find a lick of scripture in it. But you will hear quotes of one of their poets. Isn't that interesting? Now you're like, Stephen, we're reading scripture. How could he have quoted scripture? Well, there's a lot of times when people are preaching sermons, especially when someone is preaching a sermon to the Jews who had an idea about what God looked like. They would quote Old Testament scripture because they understood that and they would bring it forward as a proof that Jesus was actually the Messiah. Okay? Y'all understanding that? Sometimes what we can do, okay, and I'm just saying this so that we avoid it. I'm not saying this is the way we all have done it always. But sometimes we treat interaction with unbelievers like an opportunity to prove to ourselves how much scripture we have memorized. You know? That ain't what it's about. That ain't what it's about. And listen, what's funny is I'm not saying you can't utilize scripture in your interactions with people. But what I am saying is you don't always need to slap a reference on it. You know? I've had a lot of conversations with unbelievers where it's like, seriously, I hear myself saying scripture. And internally, I'm like, oh, this is really cool. You know, like, this is built in. I didn't even know that. Ah, cool, okay. You know, and internally, I'm like, yeah, I know it's true because it's his scripture, you know. But you know what I don't do? I don't go, stop. Do you know where that is? Do you know it's the King James translation? You know? Like, that's silly. Now, again, for people that have misconceptions about God that they think are found in the Bible, sometimes it's helpful to bring out Scripture that immediately contradicts those misconceptions, okay? That can be very useful. 
But what I'm saying is don't go to, <laughs> be careful in going to people with long laundry lists of scripture and reciting them to them, expecting that to impact them. Okay, whatever we do, we, we, we need to make sure the power and the life of God is in it. And guess what? Here, the Apostle Paul is quoting one of their poets. How many of y'all have ever heard the Beatles song, All You Need Is Love? Yeah? All you need is love. How are, how, why are you singing that in church? All you need is love. All you need is love. Love, love is all you need. Right? You take that, you go, okay, what does this show about the condition of human hearts? They yearn for a true and a real love. Right? So we can analyze culture and go, what are they yearning for? What are they groping for? And let's point them to the true source. Here Paul is utilizing a truth, for we also are his children, from a poet, one of their poets. If God has you quote Biebs, go for it. Some of y'all are like, Bieber ain't no poet, you know, in his own right. You know, I don't know. Be careful what you quote, though. I'm not telling y'all to be profane, okay? But there are truths that can be found about the, the yearnings of culture by actually analyzing the culture intentionally and not writing it off as too dirty for our eyes. God's bigger than that. I see God moving into situations. Yeah, gee, look at Jesus. Look at his posse. He was not afraid of rubbing shoulders with a little bit of grit. Because he ministered out of abundance, didn't he? You don't have to be worried about, is it going to get on me? No, because I am an influencer. Not the influence said. And you know what, though? Honestly, sometimes we can be influenced by people in some pretty cool ways. You know? Let's not get so haughty either that we're like, I am only here to give on the Lord's behalf. You know, like we can learn some stuff from people too, Christians. You know what I'm saying? Don't always be the answer guy or girl. You know? We can learn some stuff. That said... We know who the true source of life is. And so we can help some people see some things too. So, next verse, 29. Being then, are y'all ready? Let's start. Being then the children of God. What's this next word? We. Wait a minute. Who is he talking to? I thought he was talking to unbelievers. But they aren't the children of God, are they? Are they? <laughs> this is like a theological trick question. <laughs> Y'all have heard Jesus say some pretty wild stuff too, you know, about people being children of the devil and stuff like that. Well, something that would help bring an understanding to this is, do you all remember the, the parable of the prodigal son that Jesus tells? Okay, so maybe if you don't, here's a very, very long story, very, very short. There's a story about a father. He has two sons. One of the sons is like, hey, I don't want nothing to do with you. Give me my money. Peace. I'm out. He leaves. He goes and realizes life sucks without daddy. Okay? And then he's like, 
maybe I'll just go back to daddy and hopefully he'll accept me as like a low-level servant or something, you know? He returns to daddy. Daddy's looking in the distance, eager, waiting to celebrate the return of his son home. What happens? They party down upon reception of a long-lost son. Church, it ain't us and them. Humanity needs Jesus. Humanity needs Jesus. We are all his children. Some have decided to embrace their daddy or to be embraced by their daddy. Others have not yet done that, okay? So when we approach people, it's like approaching a long-lost family member and inviting them home to be filled with the love of the Father. And if they've been living outside of that, don't you think that that would register with their hearts? Church? 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 Church, church, church. You alive? You picking up what I'm putting down? Good. Now, another cool thing about this we statement is <laughs> I'm trying to think of a really nice way to say this, but sometimes it can be hard to be nice, you know. But as I said at the beginning of this sermon, we're supposed to be nice, too. Um, that said, sometimes we get in our mind like we made it, we are everything, sinners ain't made it, they are nothing right? The lost are just like on some different level. Um, the Apostle Paul, <laughs> again, outside of this sermon, but I'm grateful, I'm very grateful that he said what he said. It's in First Timothy. Joe, if we could pull that up. We'll read it in a couple translations. Actually, we'll just read it in the message translation. Look in the New American Standard or New King James, whatever you want. Let's go into the message. Here we go. This is a paraphrase. The message is a paraphrase translation, okay? If it makes you really grumpy that we're reading this, then go read it in your New American Standard or your New King James or your King James or whatever your preferred translation is. This is just kind of bringing it into modern-day English, okay? It says, here's a word you can take to heart and depend on. Jesus Christ came into the world to save who? Sinners. I'm proof! I'm proof! Public sinner number one. Y'all want to read with me? Of someone who could never have made it apart from sheer mercy. I love that. That just deflates any concepts of like, <laughs> get on my level, you know? It's like, yo, we all need God. You know? I love that. And of course, some of y'all are sitting there, you're like, I'm not a sinner, I'm a saint. I've been declared righteous in Christ. That's true, okay? That's very true. But sometimes it's beneficial to remember what godlessness looks like. It makes us grateful for Godfulness that we currently live in. And sometimes it's helpful to remind ourselves how much we would suck without God. That'll keep us from judging everybody who doesn't have him. We family. 
Come home. We family. Daddy loves you. Come home. This is good news, ain't it? This is the gospel. So, moving on. We need to keep going. Yeah, we do. Okay, here we go. Verse 30. Oh, more good news. Therefore, this is talking about God, therefore having, ready, overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent. Who should repent? All people everywhere. All people everywhere. Let me ask you a question. Is anybody excluded from that? Okay. So any exclusions that we've made in our mind, get rid of them. All people everywhere are extended this invitation. Okay? All people everywhere. Even those people that for some reason you just don't like them. You know? I get it. Some people rub you the wrong way. All people everywhere. <laughs> okay? All people everywhere. Now, how many of you think that God overlooking times of ignorance is good news? Huh? Uh, yeah? You think that's good news? I certainly do. Um, here, maybe, maybe it's better phrased even in 2 Corinthians 5. We're going to read verses 18 through 20. I absolutely love this. I love this. I love the concept that God is not holding sins against people. People are holding their own sin against themselves. Did you hear me? Jesus, Jesus pinned it to the cross. Jesus took care of it. So if there's a wall, it's one that we are holding on to. Right? So, check it out. Now all these things are from God who, what? Reconciled us to himself through who? Through Christ. And gave us, y'all ready? The ministry of reconciliation. Now we're going to find out what the ministry of reconciliation is. This is the ministry that we've been given. Let's talk about what it is. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Y'all ready? Not counting their trespasses against them. Woo! Don't harp on the trespasses. Don't! I love y'all, but don't do it. That ain't the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation is, hey, God's overlooked it. Come on home. He loves you. Be reconciled. Your daddy in heaven loves you. Come home. Yeah, come on, church. And this is what he has committed to us. This word of reconciliation, again, not of separation, not of discrimination, reconciliation, to reconcile, to bring back to God. Humanity, a lot of humanity, is living without him. His heart is for all of humanity to live with him. This is so basic, but I feel like sometimes we just need to remind ourselves, Christianity ain't no club right? God's heart is for every person in the whole world to experience him in his true life, in his true love, living in the way of him. Okay, 
So we're going to wrap this up. Verse 31. Are y'all grateful this sermon is in Scripture? Me too. All right. Because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. Now, how many of y'all inside had a little bit of a buzzkill when you saw the word judgment? Huh? Can I be totally honest with you? Like, I've in the past, I've looked at judgment as bad news. Okay? Now, of course, we know that there's grace provided in Jesus Christ. Right? But sometimes, when we think of judgment, we only think of the negative side of that coin. Right? Let me ask you something. Is there any reference to hellfire here? One person knows. Is there any reference to hellfire here? No. Do you see, does the Apostle Paul here say, turn and burn? Sinners, idol worshipers. No. I feel really bad for the people listening online because I know the microphone just distorted so badly. When I did that, it's going to sound terrible in the computer. But the truth of it is, you guys, if you read this, this is good news. Even judgment is good news in Christ. Why? Because he is going to judge the world in righteousness. Through a man, Jesus Christ. So go to Jesus. If you want to be judged righteous, come home to daddy. Embrace what Jesus did right here. That's good news. Right? I love this. And, and guess what? That's it. That's the sermon. That's the sermon. Now, how do y'all think people reacted to this sermon? Do you think they were like, Hallelujah, Jesus, yeah. Huh? Do you think they were like, Ugh, this Apostle Paul guy, I hate him, he's a weirdo. Well, let's read. Check it out. Verse 32. Now, when they had heard of the resurrection of the dead, you know, the resurrection of the dead is always just like, that's, that's the cap for some of them. They're like, nah, bro. God could not do that. Nope. Yeah, yes, he can. And he did. Hashtag Jesus. Okay. Now, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, ready? Some began to sneer. Hmm. Sneers. How many of y'all like sneers? Huh? You like being sneered at? I don't like sneers, but you know what? I just have to level with you. Sneers are inevitable. Okay? Look at the Jesus that we serve. Was he treated like a king? Huh? No. Okay, so if, if somebody doesn't love you, if someone is not like, thank you for gracing me with your presence and your words, that was the best sermon I ever heard. <laughs> you know? Don't freak out. Everything's all right, man. Just relax, <laughs> okay? Just relax. 
Just chill out, church. But others said, check this out. So some other people, some people sneered, yeah. But others, others said, eh, well, we'll hear you again concerning this. You know, that's kind of like indifferent, right? You had like, eh, nah, man, I got no time for that. You have like, right? Maybe we'll hear you again, right? But then it goes, so Paul went out of their midst. But, ready? Some men joined him and believed, among whom also were Dionysius the Areopagite. How many of y'all want to say that out loud five times? Dionysius the Areopagite. Good night. And a woman named Damaris and others with them. You know what's funny? If you look up the Mars Hill sermon, there will be a lot of scholars, a lot of people wrote that this is one of the biggest sermon fails in Scripture. Do you know that? Seriously. Go, maybe hop on Google or something. Or if you have a better source, go there, you know. But you'll find some people saying like, oh, that was such an unsuccessful sermon. And it shows us that we should not preach to people this way. Hmm. That's a strange thing to land at, isn't it? Now, how could we arrive at a conclusion like that? How many of y'all hear criticism louder than you hear encouragement? Yeah? Thank you for being honest. Um, man, sometimes the sneers are real loud, aren't they? And sometimes the cheers are really quiet, you know? Um, you know, I feel like after first service, God's kind of having me reshape this. Don't let the sneers or the cheers determine your action. Okay? Don't let the sneers or the cheers determine your action. You let God determine your action. Okay? You let what Jesus likeness looks like as Holy Spirit leads us, that guides our action. Amen? Because the truth of it is, you have like your day of Pentecost sermons where like all sorts of people are getting saved. Thousands. And then you have your, but some men joined him and believed. But don't discredit the cheers by focusing on the sneers. You picking up what I'm putting down, church? This is not a fail. Think about it. People embrace Jesus as Lord. So people have entered into eternal life here. Is that or is that not a success? Right? That's a good sermon to me. I'd have been like, yeah! Hot dog! People are embracing Jesus Christ as Lord. That's amazing. So whether people are like, or yay! Let God be your security. Let God be your security. And I have to hear this as much as anyone else. Honestly. Honestly. Because I hear criticism really loudly, you know? But you know what else, church? You know what this should encourage us to do? Let's be encouragers. You know? Let's be encouragers. Let's encourage people. Let's walk around knowing that people hear sneers louder than cheers. Let's be louder in our cheering. Amen? So let's engage with people in a way that <laughs> it's in their language. 
Yeah? But let's do it filled with the power of Holy Spirit himself. Not just godless concepts, not just doing it for another check. Yes, there's another one, you know. Khaled said it, another one, right? Another one. Nobody knows who DJ Khaled is. Okay, sorry. Anyways, cool. Well, that's, that's, that's what we got. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time that we've had here together as a family. Um, we thank you for registering what is necessary and what is true. Take, take what truth has been spoken here and, 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 and bring it home for us. Um, Holy Spirit, we, we, we open ourselves up to transformation by you into more and more of what the glory of Christ looks like. Help us to be real with people. Help us to invite our long-lost family home, you know, and, and to remember what, is, what all this is about. It's about your heart for humanity. Holy Spirit, lead us, guide us, shape us into a church that looks like Jesus. Church, we can look like Jesus. <laughs> that's my heart. That's, that's my desire for us, seriously, is that we look like Jesus. I want people to look at us and see him. No longer to look at us and see him and see contradiction. And of course, we admit when we miss it, but come on, man, like, if our hearts are for Jesus, at least we can point to that. Say, listen, I don't have it all figured out, but my heart is to live like him. So go. You're equipped, you're anointed. What does that mean? That means you're empowered by the Holy Spirit to live this stuff out. But you got to stay open. We thank you, Lord, for moving in our midst. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. To partner with this ministry or for any additional information, please visit libertychristiancenter.org.